have a strawberry. Oh, it looks like, a, it looks like you've got a dud one on the top there. Oh, yeah. So, I like how they've been like arranged. Mm. Yeah, it's deliberate, or it's just. Might be a freak of nature, just like the 12 Apostles. Progressive Rugby League. There's the Progressive Rugby League podcast theme music. So that must mean it's time for the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Am I crazy or what? No, that's what it means. How you going? It's the slug here. And once again, I'm here with the Progressive Rugby League experts, Big Al. Hello, mate. G'day. Wonderful to be here. I'm very excited. And Giano. Hey, guys. And Slug, you are just the right kind of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Tell that to the large sunflower that I speak to every morning. <laughs> Fellas, what's, what's grabbing your attention this week in the world of rugby league? I'm talking about reflections. So my reflection for this week, as obvi- it's, it's probably going to be obvious to everybody. So we all know the Tigers were sitting, were riding high, top of the ladder, outright, or were they outright? Maybe equal first, but on points differential, it put them firmly top. First time in the history they ever led the competition all week. Pundits to punters to... You know, everybody been saying, oh, Tigers are going to go 3-0, they're coming up against the Bulldogs, this is going to be the first time they've opened their season with three wins or whatever. The whole world was talking about how amazing the West Tigers were and how wonderful this, this inevitable win was going to be. And you know who sat back and said, please, people, it's not going to happen. Do you know who that one person was? I think it was Big Al. It was Big Al. Yeah, I see, Big this Al. is something I've seen time and time again. The team that I love continually... Let me down. Yeah. So uh, the, set, this, the, the stage was set. They've just come off two great games. They had a really, really good crowd out at Campbelltown. Mm. A perfect day. Sunday afternoon, free-to-air TV. The stage was set. Every, all the circumstances were there for them to provide an outstanding performance and, and continue on this really successful journey. Mm. Um, but true to form, they capitulated completely and served up a pile of awful football. <laughs> uh, and so I really want to reflect on... Oh, what, what really became a lonely afternoon for me. So for the, for the uninitiated to the geography of Sydney, mm. uh, Campbelltown, which is one of the four home grounds of the Tigers, uh, is a good 40 or 50 k's from, from Sydney proper. Yep. So uh, I had to catch the train out there, which on its own, that's like a 90-minute like train ride, which with the anticipation of the game was, was okay. It was fine. I'm like, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. I hadn't actually been to a live game all year, so mm. I was really pumped up. Chomping. Just to see like live rugby league, but also to see the Tigers who were winning. Um, I, I knew, like, I didn't let myself think that they might win, but still, a little, a little piece of me was like, maybe, yeah. maybe they will. You never know. Anything could have happened. And then I sat through, you know, 80 minutes of dross. It was just awful. Uh, and then I had that lonely train ride back, and it was 90 minutes of again sitting there, sort of stewing on how bad the game was. But foolish me, I forgot to bring a change of clothes. Mm. So I was sitting there in my loser Tigers jersey. Now, with all due respect, Big Al, mm. isn't that a lesson you would have learned over and over and over <laughs> again during your rugby league fandom? Well, I guess it is, but I didn't really factor in the... Because normally, if I go to Campbelltown, I'll drive there. So it's, ah, a, it's a right. private journey home. <laughs> so I can see... It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. And, and like, 
you know, I can, uh, yeah, it's fine. Like that's, no, I'm not a, I'm not a pariah like I was <laughs> when I was on the, the train, the suburban train, the right. all stops because there's no expresses from the station that yeah. came from, from the Campbelltown Stadium. The all stops sitting there in my, yeah, my Tigers, my sullied Tigers jersey. Mm. And I didn't enjoy it one bit. So, um, you know, it, we spoke a couple of weeks ago, Slug, how, in that first round, all our teams won, and our sweet babies, London, Toulouse, Toronto, and Catalan. This week, all our teams lost, yeah. and our sweet babies lost sweet too. Babies well. so, it actually feels more familiar to me. The thing about that train ride from Campbelltown, too, is that it goes straight through the guts of Bulldog territory, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so, I guess my reflection is, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll, I'll double up on that, and uh, my reflection's also of a fairly negative nature, <laughs> in that um, what, why did people assume that a uh, professional relationship between father and son would be immediately fruitful <laughs> and amazing? Because, I mean, you, your instinct is to go, well, they're relatives. Mm. They're, they're, it's father and son. It'll be a magical combo. We're but talking Nathan and Ivan Cleary. We are, we are. Mm. We're talking about the Panthers. We're talking about the the um, joining up of father and son. Mm. But no. <laughs> if you had to try and work with your dad, no, thanks. how easy would that be day in, day out? Uh, you know, It'd be tough. It I, would. I, I think. think they live together as well, I'm pretty sure, because he's only 20, 20 years old. I'm pretty sure well, they live I, together. Yeah, last season, they were, he was still living at home, Nathan Cleary was. I'm, he must have moved out by now, I think. Do you reckon if Ivan asks Nathan to pass the sauce, do you think Nathan puts it through the hands, or does he cut out <laughs> mum and sister straight to Ivan? <laughs> Well, and then do you think like Ivan gives gives feedback? Yeah, that's the way. Right way. All right. Well, but first sister has to run through second yeah, man right. play. It's that's all right. you can do. Decoy. Yeah. Um, so look, yeah, that was just my reflection, really. I mean, you know, I don't want to talk down, mm. but but I mean, I, I didn't hear any possibilities of, you know, what if there's a, any fracture in the relationship at all? That the whole team's affected then. That's right. Not to mention the, the well, that, wider family, yeah, the cousins. That, think of the cousins. That's why I think the, that whole the, that that coaching scenario at Panthers is so is weird because nobody thought of that. Like mm. you're right. Like didn't even like. What if things become bad? Sorry, if things become bad. What if Nathan is not performing at all and Ivan has to like drop him? Yeah. Like it's going to be well, tough times what, at a dinner table. It's, it's juicy stuff this weekend, though. How are you feeling, Big Al? Panthers v Tigers. <laughs> Whatever. Oh. Don't, like the Tigers are going to get walloped. Oh. This is the thing about the Tigers. If you need to be played back into form, then come up against the Tigers. Yeah, but we all know. And then it's going to happen to the Panthers. And then I don't know who they're playing after that, but it'll happen to them as well. But they won't be expected to win this week, so therefore they'll probably win. That's how it works. When they're expected to win, they lose. When they're not expected to win, they win. Yeah, but also when they're not expected to win, but them winning would be like a great story. Mm. Like it would mean the Tigers winning the, the battle of the... Good news of the of the game or whatever they won't they won't win that as well right so, okay um, whatever but you know just, at, at just this, to, sorry at this time of year I was just going to say that um, it's funny how a win and a loss can change your perspective very quickly on a team so last week we were saying um, you know the Tigers are doing great they've got a really good list you know look at the players like Marshall Farah you know Embai and then after la- after the loss it's like. Yeah, they've got like a pretty rubbish list. Look at they've got Marshall. The thing Farrah is, like, so I, I know, like, as the, as the the minister for enthusiasm, I feel like I'm letting the team down by being quite um, morose in this in this opening here. But 
It's not the fact that they lost, because you can't expect perfection. It's the manner in which they lost. Like, it was, they just played terribly. You're just being human. You don't, <laughs> don't blame yourself for being human. But it's similar, it's similar for the Bulldogs, really. Last week was saying, what a terrible list. They've got, you know, Foran, you know, Aiden Tolman. And this week it's like, you know what, it's not a bad list. You yeah, know, Foran, Foran, Foran Aiden Tolman. Tolman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say was that um, the story's come out this week that old mate Gussie from the Panthers mm. was, had a handshake deal with Bennett. Before the old oh, Cleary yeah. business good, was good, going good stories on, coming out. so so um, and the word is that potentially Gussie and Cleary had never actually mended the fractured oh. relationship from the sacking several years ago. Yeah, so that's an interesting work dynamic going on as well out there, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's a good thing they signed, he signed a five-year contract, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> worked out very well. All right, Jono, what do you got reflection-wise? Well, today I'm reflecting. I'm going to reflect on nostalgia. Now, I'm naturally a little wary of getting too nostalgic, but there I was on the weekend at Redfern Oval. Beautiful day for the South's Newtown game, indulging in the warm glow of a throwback afternoon at a famous suburban ground. And I was surrounded by thousands of people to whom the result was largely meaningless. And it was really more about being there and feeling something tangibly familiar from seemingly simpler times. Uh, Now, following the game, I muse on all the ways that Rugby League benefits from nostalgia, from NRL teams playing at suburban grounds, to retro jerseys, to old simmering rivalries. It's a brilliant way of engaging people emotionally. But then my problem with nostalgia is, in general, which is absolutely relevant to Rugby League, is that when you lionise the past, you're giving it undue credit by ignoring the shortcomings. Mm. And in doing so, you're being unfair on the present, and that's when negativity around the game can creep in you know the negative nancyism that we spoke about mm. much last year a good example is you know video referees uh, and the bunker and all that sort of stuff There's a lot of cynicism around that but the reality is we're getting more decisions right than we ever have and it doesn't feel like that you know when we're talking when we're thinking about the past and how yes. great the past was and the saga around the wigging coaching situation is another example i think of what can happen when you let nostalgia lead you so of course last year Sean Edwards, Wigan's favourite son, was announced as the coach for the 2020 season. Why? Is it because he's the best rugby league coach? Well, he's not even a rugby league coach. He's a rugby union coach. He's a rugby union defence coach. So obviously it wasn't because he was the best rugby league coach. It was because it's warm and fuzzy. It felt familiar. He was a Warrington man. He was a Wigan man. Wigan man, sorry. I've got my W's mixed up. <laughs> so my conclusion is use nostalgia wisely. Nostalgia is good for selling the window but not the house. It's a tool to get people to have a look in, to get them engaged, but it shouldn't be used as a business plan. It shouldn't rule you, and it de- definitely shouldn't be the reason why you choose your political ideology, but that's, that's, a different, that's a different kettle of fish. That's my reflection, people. Well, thank you very much for that. And look, poor food for thought, really, isn't it? Absolutely. You know what? I've got one more little reflection, if I, if I, if I may. Please, oh, please, will you? Well, during the week, there was news out of Cronulla, that um, Cronulla have named a move after their number one ticket holder and Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. Oh, oh dear. They've called it the ScoMo. Uh-huh. Okay, so just when you thought uh, the Sharks were becoming more likeable, they're playing a lot more attractive brand of rugby league. And, you know, they've got Sean Johnson in the lineup, very uh, progressive player. They've got John Morris, a great jawline, one of the great jawlines in the history of rugby league. They throw this on us, the ScoMo. What? Well, okay, please uh, tell on. us. Yeah, it depends what, does, what, the, what does the move is, doesn't involve? it? I don't know. It's an attacking move. I'm not sure what the move is, but oh, I just dear. heard that. I, like, I know I go on and on about this, but like, I was watching the Sharks, uh, the Sharks Cowboys game over the weekend. Yeah. And just watching that team come out into the field, 
I don't think there is a more unlikable team in the last 10 years than the Canola Sharks. But I think that everything about them is awful. Hey, you're talking about child slugs favourite team. You know, little baby <laughs> slug. The, 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 the team that, that you love, the, the, the ET-led Sharks. Yeah, sparkles. Very different. Or like the, the late 90s, early 2000s, the peachy, yeah. like the David Peachy Sharks. Craig Diamond. Very likeable team. Very, very likeable team. This led by, you know, I won't go into it, but just led by <laughs> players that I don't think reflect Hang on. the values well, I, that I want to see. I'm in denial about the unprogressiveness of that side. Don't worry. But they're they're improving. They've got Sean Johnson on board now. That they're, they're playing a, a decent brand of football. There are there are there, are there are likable players in that team. But when it's it's the holy trinity of just of hard to likability mm. of and the, the, and for me that holy trinity is Paul Gallen, Andrew Fafita, Josh Dugan. Yeah, they're just really really hard to like, regardless of how good they are. And some and they do some pretty good things off the field as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not field. taking that yeah. away from them, but they're just so difficult to like. And they coupled it with they've got these. Uh, I know what I know. I spoke about haircuts last week, but <laughs> you speak Josh, Josh Dugan, Andrew Rafina, new segment. I think have, each week. Have, I'm, I, this will be the last thing. Last time I talk about this, but Josh Dugan and Andrew Rafita have deliberately unlikable hairstyles. Like it's just it's like they're trying to make themselves unliked. Isn't Rafita's different every second week? <laughs> no, they've both got just epic mullets, but not in like a funny like this is a mullet. It's just like it just oh, anyway. Yeah. I'll now, move on. But it, it, I, they're hard to like. I'll just I'll leave it at that. In a discount meth sale kind of way, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, you know, ScoMo. He sells himself as a rugby league man. But before, I can feel rugby league fans getting seduced by this. We've got a prime minister who's a rugby league man. Isn't that yeah. great? I just want to read this little quote that I found in a magazine before we get seduced by that. So this is from the Monthly a couple of months ago, an article by a guy called Sean Kelly. In the hours before the Sharks were eliminated in this year's or last year's NRL finals, Morrison tweeted a short video of 20 times he had pro- pro- professed his support for the team. He sometimes ends press appearances with, Go Sharks! But the Sharks and the sport they play are also recent passions. Earlier, he was a rugby union fan. He once described New Zealand as a bit of a nirvana. In Sydney, he said, rugby usually takes second place to league. So he moved to the Shire 10 years ago when he got into Parliament before mm-hmm. he was in the eastern suburbs yeah. and was a rugby union man. So I just want to throw it out there, you know, maybe there might be a bit of opportunism. Who would have thought a politician, you know, <laughs> taking a bit of opportunism to uh, win a few votes? I think I figured out what that ScoMo move is at Sharks. What is it? It's uh, charging forward blindly, <laughs> stumbling over the simplest thing and shitting yourself when you yeah. hit the ground. And then, so. uh, yeah, com- complaining gently to the ref as well. That's right. Uh, if, if anyone follow- follows uh, Australian news and politics, you'll understand that that uh, <laughs> pooing yourself reference. Anyway, moving on. So they're my reflections for the week. There we go. All right. Well, if you hate the sharks as much as Big Al, <laughs> you can write into our mailbag and tell us about it or, or any other questions. I'm mentioning the mailbag because that's the next segment. And I'll tell you what, fellas, I listened back to the theme I made. I decided I didn't like it. Oh, okay. I didn't like it. So I made another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bring it on. Let's give this one a crack. short it's simple it you know it gets the point across yeah 
I'm not expecting a lot of love for it. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting reams of mail going bloody hell slug. No, I think keep I, that you know one. What? I might just call that the Andrew Fafita of mail. Oh, like, no. <laughs> it's so hard to like. It's a, it's a mulleted theme. Big Al's telling me. I didn't mind it. That's top of the charts, man. With the bullet. Oh, I didn't mind it. Screechy. It's, it's, right. a bit, it's a bit. Um, it's a bit aggressive. Okay. Well, the boat's splitting here. Help us out, listeners. What do you think? Or right. should, should I go back to the drawing board next week? <laughs> Mailbag time. Okay, over the last couple of weeks, Slug has been yearning for some Halifax action. And who else to come to our aid wait, wait. but... Halifax action or Halifaction? Halifaction. <laughs> who else to come to our aid but Ian East from Leeds or Ian from East Leeds? What, what is it again? I think I got it right. So Ian says, now then, lads, heard a rumour that the Slug wants to know more about facts. So he mentions the Halifax RLFC as a great supporters club and says, probably the most picturesque town in European Rugby League. Hometown of Gareth Widdop, he of the uh, brittle shoulder, that's my comment, and won the Challenge Cup in 1988 with Chris Anderson as their skipper. You know, Chris Anderson, former Canterbury coach, coach. Sharks coach, Canterbury <laughs> coach. As well as top pubs, it has a perfectly sized, mostly terraced ground where rug- uh, for rugby league. It's also where I first encountered Connie. Do you know who Connie is? I don't know who Connie is. Well, let me tell you who Connie is. Connie is Conrad Hurrell. And he, uh-huh. like me, has a wonderful man crush on Conrad Hurrell, who's obviously joined his Leeds Rhinos mm-hmm. in the off-season. Conrad Hurrell, he is just a, a beast, and he's wonderful to watch. And he's a he's actually a wonderful human being. Yeah, a beautiful a soul. Attitude. Beautiful attitude. soul. Very, very so Bright. A bright person. So thank bright you for that, soul. Ian, as always. Now, we also heard this week from a guy called Declan Foy from Ireland. And now, this is not just any Declan Foy from Ireland. This is... Uh, former Irish Rugby League international Declan Foy. Hmm. That's right. And he got in touch about a real elephant in the Rugby League room, and that's participation. Specifically, how existing touch and tag variants uh, are essentially being co-opted by the dominant rugby code of the region they are played in. And in Europe, that's mostly rugby union. So here's his email. He says, Hi, guys. Really enjoying the podcast. Just wanted to raise a point about participation rates and variants of rugby league. I think if rugby league is going to thrive internationally over the next few years, it must take control of its variants, touch and tag, around the world. The reason for this is that the rule sets used in variants have become agnostic, which allows them to be shaped into whatever the powers that be want them to be in the places they are played. An example of this is the Touch World Cup in Malaysia. Whilst the Australian team going there is likely steeped in rugby league, the Irish team, for, inst- for instance, is heavily associated with rugby union. England Touch is an independent body that plays most of its events at rugby union grounds and most other countries follow that pattern. You'd be hard-pressed to find rugby league fans amongst these teams. Yet a big backer of this event will be the NRL due to its association with Touch Australia. It's, it might be a leap to say, but it seems to me that the partnership between the NRL and Touch Australia is accidentally promoting rugby union internationally. Now, Tag Rugby and Oztag uh, probably has a league culture, but yet again, the Tag Rugby World Cup will be in Limerick next year and will not be considered a variant of rugby league by anyone in attendance. Now, help is at hand in the shape of the TRL, which is apparently a Brisbane version of the game, which has a rule set that's closer in many ways to rugby league with you know kicking, correct, play the ball, etc. And for his own part, the reason why he's been looking into this is that he's involved in a group in Europe that have developed a game where the version of the tackle is to make a touch on the ball and the culture of the game is strictly rugby league. And they're calling that, at the moment it's called uh, Euro Tag Rugby League, but they're going to change the name to something like Tag the Ball or Cross League. Cross League, I like that. Yeah, that's not bad. 
but he does not see this as an answer to the worldwide mass participation problem that rugby league currently has. Oddly, I think, he says, the answer comes from rugby union. World Rugby outlined a loose set of guidelines as to what touch rugby union is, which can range from three-a-side walking to a full 15-a-side game, as well as various ways to reach, start, play, etc., with rules at the organisers' discretion. I believe the rugby, union, uh, the rugby League Federation could do the same, which will probably see more variants, but more people playing a game that is both enjoyable and distinctly rugby league. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, like, touch, at least touch football as I know it, touch and Oztag or, or tag rugby, whatever you want to call it, is, it's basically non-contact rugby league. Mm, so yeah. you, get, you get six tackles or stoppages or tags or whatever. You've got to play the ball by putting the ball on the ground and... And, and rolling it between your legs and, and all that sort of stuff. So as far as I know it, it it's always been it's just yeah it's it's, it's the version of rugby league that let you play mm. at lunchtime at school basically. Yeah. Um, and I do I am aware that uh, there's you know there's tag rugby in, in all rugby union markets. Mm. Their like touch football as it's known is being um, offered as an alternative to tackle rugby yeah. union. But I think the reason the international the rugby federation or whatever they were called that you just read out they had a set of suggested rules or a mm. framework to operate within surely they only have they don't have here are the rules they don't have prescriptive rules because if they did people would just say hang on that's just rugby league would they say that rugby league's probably well, like then, it. but then why haven't they done that well in most of these markets they don't even think about rugby league i, I imagine most of these european markets that even know about rugby league it's all rugby union rugby league is not on their mind mm. no, I, I, I understand that but like so but the the body that sets the rules definitely knows about rugby league yeah yeah right and so I guess they wouldn't they have not set those firm rules because then they just know that mm. I mean it is rugby how could how could not be like how could be more union than a league it just seems <laughs> impossible to me yeah well anyway I think it's a great suggestion though that to to go along those lines for rugby league to to say you know what we're going to have a set of rules that you can, you know, play two aside, ten aside, you know, but it's going to be tag rugby league or touch rugby league or whatever it's cross rugby league, and and that I think that would be a good way of, of selling the game and increasing participation in rugby league in non rugby league markets mm. because that is the elephant in the room because we we talk a lot about um, new competitions, new teams in North America. Why don't we get another competition in the Balkans and you know a separate transatlantic uh, rugby league competition, but where are we going to get all the players? We, we really need to sort out participation. And so it needs to flow from touch into maybe nines or eights or something <laughs> into the 13-man <laughs> game or woman game. So it's actually a really important point that we get this right. And we don't, we're not just um, promoting, like Declan says here, accidentally promoting rugby union through yeah. through our participation it, in the It is a massive challenge, though, because at least in Australia anyway... Touch football and Oztag are completely separate and independent mm. bodies that aren't um, they aren't associated with. I know, sorry, the NRL now has a partnership with Touch. I think that's struck up in the last couple of years, mm. but previously weren't associated with um, any other sporting body. So, whilst Touch may have evolved from league, mm. it wasn't part of of rugby league the at all. Up, yeah. It was its own independent sport, and so I guess maybe in other markets where touch isn't as established uh, rugby union is just coming in and saying oh, this touch is, is rugby union look at it yeah and, and when that's clearly not true at all so i think, I think more broadly speaking though it's it's just that old image thing isn't it like mm. it's like rugby can be just as violent as rugby league absolutely 
But the image is that rugby league is a bit of a, t- a tougher, more base sport, mm. um, largely because of not only what happens on the field, but some of the stuff that happens off it. Yeah, and traditional class issues, especially in the, in the north of England there, uh, where it's very stratified, uh, more stratified yeah. than it is here in Australia. But it's also, you know, it's, it's the thing we talk about a lot, that league has that existential issue of... Is it a uh, is it a, a game for everyone, mm. or is it a, a, a tough game just for kind of tough people? Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I think we are all on the side of it's a game for all. Yeah, <laughs> of course it is. Now he also uh, so thank you, Declan. He also went on to say that um, he said, "Keep up the good work." One thing rugby league needs more now than ever is articulate voices with positive thinking. And I think from an oh, outsider... Well, he's not going to like my reflection. <laughs> I think from an, outsider's, from an outsider's point of view, he's Irish. Looking at the media in Australia and the UK, rugby league media is in danger of becoming negative, cliched, and almost primitive. Oh, there are people working within rugby league who could make chess sound like tic-tac-toe. Uh, too much being adamant about a point that could be more nuanced than to be summarised in one statement, e.g., you can't teach that. You know, like, um, <laughs> he says Gus Gould's the main offender here, so... Um, so thank you for your, your feedback, Declan. You can't teach that. That's one of my pet peeves as well, especially like um, you can't teach speed. You hear a lot of that. It's like yeah. that's exactly what you can teach. <laughs> in fact, they have speed coaches that's in right. every club. I'm sure there's scientists at the Institute of Sport working out exactly right. how to teach speed. Usain Bolt had a coach. He was teaching speed. You can teach speed. It's a thing. Yes. So, yes, that was, that's the mailbag. So thank you, Ian. Thank you, Declan. Yeah. A big mailbag this week. Thank you. And I might slot this in here. It's not technically somebody corresponding with us, but I, I thought I'd check out a couple of rugby league podcasts this week. Okay. Because, um, I don't know, I feel I probably should. We're, <laughs> we're, in that, we're in that area. We should probably know what, what else is happening out there. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so I had to listen to the Chasing Kangaroos podcast, yeah. um, which was, yeah, quite good. And they have an episode um, on... Uh, deep diving on Italian rugby league, which has got a lot of love on Twitter from people, yeah. uh, including from Gavin Willisey, who's been a guest on our podcast. That's right, our mate. Um, and the other one was uh, called The Double Movement okay. um, by a couple of uh, lady lawyers who love league, which is um, uh, an enjoyable bit of alliteration. Great, yeah, well, Excellent. check them out. Yeah. After you listen to us, of course. Of course. <laughs> That's all right. No, 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 share the love. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to listen to us first, <laughs> but make sure you do. Progressive Rugby League. It's the time that everyone likes to warm their throats up for here. Mm. You know, France and Canada have a... <laughs> Sorry. You, he, he threw us a dummy then. We were ready. No, We've just overrun the play. This is the album version. France and Canada have a strange old past and it goes beyond the pay grade of this humble podcast. But Slug like McGall and me, we like what we see when it comes to French Canadian rugby yeah, you normally get the radio edit, but this is a special edition, so that, I thought I'd give you the that, album that, edit. Well, very good. You could have told us you were going to do it. That's what I'm going to say. There's going to be a big intake of air as he starts. To... <gasps> All right, let's get into it. Um, so we'll talk about the sweet babies because that's what we do in this update. Absolutely. Yeah, so we'll start it. at the top with the old Super League. Catalan have been given a rugby league lesson uh. by Wigan. Uh, so we mentioned at the top of the show that the babies all lost, um, but we're at. 42-0, mm. so a scoreless game for the Poor Dragons, 
Um, I'm going to say, uh, yes, it's dispiriting, but it was a rugby league lesson and we're all for education. So uh, yeah. take that as a positive. <laughs> it, it was a shame because, of course, on 18th of May, there's the return bout between these two teams at the new camp, Camp Nou in Barcelona. So it would have been good if this was like a classic where people would be drooling for the return contest. But unfortunately, we're going to have to mm. use the... Uh, the gunning for revenge angle, I think, yeah, instead. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you take what you can get. Um, and one more thing on that, if I may. Steve McWinara, the coach of Catalans, he said he was very disappointed with the attitude of the team. And I thought to myself, I can't believe a team with the likes of Greg Bird and Kenny Edwards would have an attitude problem. Did <laughs> <laughs> you believe that? Um, yeah, so it was a massive, a massive loss. The Dragons let in seven tries. Oh. Um, but at least one of them was scored by the hard-working Jared Sammet. So no update yes. on what his hairstyle was, was it on the day, but I'm sure it was pretty good. I saw the try. It was quite impressive. How was Step- his hair? Uh, it didn't move. Uh, he it stepped past five or so and found himself over the try line. Well go. done, so well JS. Done. Well done, Jared Sammet. We salute you. Hard-working boy from Sydney's West. Uh, so the second baby in the Super League, London, have also had a loss, losing to Huddersfield 38-26. to um, mm. Home game for the Broncos. Uh, apparently there was a combined... A uh, total of 22 points scored after 13 minutes. So, uh, a championship heavy attack style game uh, up in the Super League. So, uh, yeah, defence probably wasn't a key factor there. Yeah, look, and they've moved uh, back down to 11th place, I believe, London on mm-hmm. on for and against. So, they're still two points ahead of Leeds, but only two points out of the top five. So, let's look at the positive there. Yeah, so we've got Catalan on seventh on eight eight points. Um, or if we're going to adopt the new system that we established last week, uh, plus four. <laughs> over the relegation zone. <laughs> over the relegation zone. <laughs> right. uh, London, as you said, are in 11th on six points or plus two mm. from the relegation zone. However, Broncos are one game ahead of most yeah. of the rest of the competition. So, that plus two can quickly become a zero. Are we a little far out to be talking about... The relegation zone? Never. No, no, never. Not when it comes to when it comes to our sweet babies. Yeah, okay. Um, we've got to make sure that they are staying quickly, staying well ahead of the relegation zone. So Now, of course, uh, we spoke last week about how Leeds, who won over the weekend to move to four points, they're trying to impersonate the Canberra Raiders of 2018 in the comedy stakes. And they did a great... They had a great effort over the weekend <laughs> where they led 20-4 to four against Castleford. And uh, they almost lost it. They got back to 20 all. Uh, but they didn't quite emulate Canberra because they actually won the match. And that's, that's you know, if you want to emulate Canberra, you're going to have to lose those matches, Leeds. That's, that's, that's genuinely funny. But there was a great moment in that match, uh, in the Golden Point, where I'm not sure if you saw this, but David Ferner has been under immense pressure uh, and the ball went out to the Leeds player from about 40 out, Brad Dwyer, I think, and he, he kicked it. It was one of those really low, shonky mm-hmm. uh, kicks that never, ever looked like it was going over. And the camera was on Dave Ferner, who's, who actually says, Oh, what the... You're doing... Oh, no, no... Yeah! <laughs> and then starts, then starts cheering like he was his idea to yeah. do the wonkiest kick of all time. So that was a great moment. Dave Ferner, well done. Uh, rugby league always delivers. It does. Always delivers. Um, so actually, that, that means... I've got a question that I wanted to raise as part of this update. Sure. So... Um, there's obviously there was there was no championship games this round, so nothing for Toronto or Toulouse mm. because we had a, a Challenge Cup round. Yeah. Um, but... So Leeds, you, Leeds are uh, emulating the Canberra Raiders and being a hilarious team, um, losing funny games and all that sort of stuff. They're not doing very well at all. Not yet. No. Not yet. The season's like, you know, there's still a fair way to go in the season, but they're not doing well. They're currently firmly in the relegation zone. Mm. So there's another podcast, speaking of other podcasts, there's a podcast called Rugby League in America, which is about, mm. um, it's a Super League focused uh, 
podcast from America that talks about you know the Wolfpack and all that sort of stuff. Great guy, um, mate. Yeah, so he did an Instagram live video earlier this week, which I tuned in for, and he raised a question like saying, uh, it's great, you know, Toulouse and Toronto getting promoted is fantastic, but mm-hmm. if it happens to be at the expense of specifically Leeds, which is one of the stronger, more iconic Super League teams, mm. what do we think about that? Well, I, I tell you, I know what Super League clubs would think about that. They'd be, they'd be probably a bit upset because, mm-hmm. yeah, Leeds is not only one of the... They're the, one of the biggest clubs, have one of the biggest support yeah. bases, and obviously draw a lot of eyeballs. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Would you have a North Sydney Bears kind of situation where the, 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 uh, the fans feel disenfranchised and kind of step away from the game a little? Well, I mean, it would be good for the championship. Let's put it that way. <laughs> like, Leeds drawing yeah. big crowds for the championship. Oh. Well, would they, would they draw crowds in the championship? What do yeah, you think? I, I think... I mean, I hope so. I think you still get pretty good crowds for those... those Clubs, you know, Bradford get you know four or five thousand for championship games. Witness get four or five thousand. Obviously, Toronto gets seven or eight. So, and, yeah. and, and you'd have to imagine if Leeds couldn't get promoted the following season, that there'd be a big worry. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Well raised. Anyway, what we can do is hope that Leeds uh, get out of the relegation zone. And I don't want to. I don't want to name a team. I'd like to drop down, <laughs> but just someone less, less, less. Uh, less important to less the, important uh, to the, the long term. Um, Success of the competition. Yeah. Who's your least progressive Super League team? Uh, next week. Next week. <laughs> have a, next have week. a think Tune about next week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Big Al goes hard. Well, you're happy to mouth off about the Sharks <laughs> and the Storm, but I want to hear the Super League team that's the least progressive. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm much more exposed to the progressive levels of NRL teams okay. than I am Super League teams. So I feel I'm in a very good position to make comment on how progressive slash likeable a team is in the NRL. When it comes to the Super League, I will have to do a, do a lot of research. All right, well, listeners, help help Big Al out and you know give what? some suggestions. Can we put that out as a mailbag question? Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah get doing it right now. Yeah, well, get, get wait, some. wait, do it. Okay. <laughs> Could you please help Big Al out uh, with some suggestions on the least progressive Super League team? And uh, don't just throw a name out there. You've got to... You know, have some yeah. logic behind yeah, I don't it. I don't want to. It can't just be like the team that you don't like. Yeah, they have so. to genuinely. You know, how how do they stack up against the pillars? Yeah, the pillars, which are you know, do they chuck it around? Do they entertain us? Do they have progressive ideals? And are they funny? Are they hilarious? And, and we should point out, we're not doing this to be negative. No, we're doing this no, because no. we like to educate. That's yes. right. How um, did you feel this week without our sweet babies Toronto and sweet babies Toulouse playing? Like I felt a bit empty. Come the weekend. <laughs> well, like, where mean, are you? Toulouse do play that happy brand of French yeah. football, so that's it, that's it's a that's a standard happy injection one gets into the into their week. Yeah. It was definitely missing. Um, but so yeah, so no championship games. It was a round of the super a round of the Challenge Cup. Uh, so in Jews news, news you can use. Mm. I can report that Jewsbury won their Challenge Cup Jewsbury against uh, against West Hull. So thirty two to six. So. The Jews boys advance well to done. the next round. Well done, Jewsbury. And there was also a, a good game between the Keeley Cougars. Uh, and the Bradford Bulls and Keeley, one of these teams that have also lost 12 points uh, from administrative bungling. Uh, so they started the season minus 12 because they went to administration or something. And they've come back another stirring story. Is that, is that just a standard punishment for going bankrupt? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Minus 12. Um, so they just lost the local derby to Bradford. So it was a great effort because uh, I think they're a, a division lower than Bradford. They almost pulled off a huge upset. But there was a great interview that this is thanks to Ian again who sent this in to us. Um, with the, the new Keeley Cougars chairman who said you know, they were looking forward to a big crowd and they'd ordered a thousand meat pies 
and these meat pies we're going to sell like hotcakes and I, <laughs> I why that's... didn't they just get hotcakes <laughs> yeah exactly that's what I thought <laughs> so I thought that's quite innovative selling meat pies like hotcakes <laughs> yeah Genius. right um, you know what for next week I'd also I'm, I'm going to come prepared with research on the 12 point penalty because I'd like yeah. to, I'd like to know what the what the thinking behind that is it, it does just seem to be the standard sanction yeah. so there's got to be some sort of I assume it's just they're trying to disincentivize you know doing bad business but, but why, why 12 points why not 13 yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's rugby 13 Come that's on. right exactly um, alright so moving out of the competitions we'll talk about some international football yeah great news on the international front so fresh from my tour of the Philippines the Poland rugby league team have announced their tour of the Philippines oh, so that's going to be happening in October so the Polish team which is made up of uh, Polish domestic players as mm-hmm. well as some Australian New Zealand based heritage players um, will be touring the Philippines in October so they've set up a GoFundMe page for those that are interested in supporting the cause mm. uh, I'll, we'll put that out on one of the social channels somehow sounds good sounds good um, so I'm a bit late uh, for I'm a bit late on the news of this one, but it's so juicy. I'm going to let it put it out there anyway. Uh, in July, there's going to be a clash held between Colombia and India. What? Yes, that's right. The Indian Jungle Cats. How's that <laughs> wow. for a name? Wow, that's really uh, good. This is the first Indian representative to, uh, side to play uh, an international rugby league match. So wow. big news that's and exciting. Like, India. That's a big market. If we can crack them with the jungle cats, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> crack in India. Yeah, crack that's in it. it. Forget it. You've uh, made it. Move, the, move over cricket. The jungle cats. <laughs> uh, I.e. tigers. You know. I'm yeah, guessing. I guess so. Well, why not? Um, and so this game's going to be played in Australia. So I'm pretty sure we can find some time to get along. To oh, them. I'm going to yes, put, mark that one down in your calendar. So mm. there you go. Well, just back to overseas domestic competition I'd like to mention that this week the women's super league in the UK kicks off so we mentioned that a few weeks ago mm. uh, when the announcement was made but it's actually happening this week so good luck to all it's a like we said it's a pretty intense competition there's seven or eight teams it goes mm. over 14 weeks so it, it really um, is quite uh, far ahead of where we are in Australia so good luck ladies Yes, and before we close up the FC update, mm. uh, it seems an appropriate place to throw in, while we were talking about uh, Rugby League podcast before, uh, latest episode of White Line Fever mm. has quite a good chat between Steve Mascord and Eric Perez. Oh, the great Perez. Just uh, letting everyone in on his thinking with the old Hemel uh, license and the, and the transfer, to transfer to Ottawa. Ottawa, yeah, it's, it's all happening. It's very exciting. I think they're going to have that, uh, that meeting just before Easter, apparently. So fingers crossed for both Ottawa and New York. And before we finish this update, I almost forgot, almost slipped my mind, we actually have a massive announcement to make oh, when yeah. it comes to French Canadian <laughs> Rugby League update. Ladies and gentlemen, shall we? We shall. Well, it, we're very excited to announce that Big Al and Jono Peter Duncan are heading on the road. And we're taking this show on the road. We are going to be in July in the Northern Hemisphere to see one championship game and one Super League game on consecutive days. It's going to be very exciting. Put it in your calendars. Toulouse Olympique fans on July 20 for Toulouse Olympique versus, I think, Sheffield. And then we are hot-footing it straight to London the next morning for London Broncos versus, I think, St. Helens. Yep. So, ladies and gentlemen, put it in your diary. We're very excited. And we're looking forward to spending time, you know, in the terraces with the fans. And look, look, if the powers that be want to get in touch and offer us hospitality and, and you know, the corporate boxes, all right, we'll accept. But... Failing that, we'll see you on the terraces <laughs> in Toulouse and London. Can't wait. 
Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, sure, you know, I'm sure the Toulouse people will mm. uh, put some airfares together for you. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, I think we've already bought the flights, but, you know, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. We're ho- hoping to bring some content from our travels there. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, truth be told, going for a wedding, uh, and I'm trying to fit in some rugby league on the side, and, and, and Big Al's going to join me for that little leg of my tour, so... I'm super excited for that. All right. Sounds like the slug gets to put his feet up and right. relax. There's a lot of uh, uh, travel diary style content coming at you. <laughs> postcards. Postcards. <laughs> PRL postcards. All right, guys. Progressive moments of the week. Let's keep them positive. We don't want any of this negative Nancyism that infected the start of this episode. Yeah, so I really feel bad about that. Like, I did it too. I, I, don't I, worry. No, but I opened on a downer and then it just sort of... It, it, you know, misery loves company, right? That's all right. Like, That's... I'm really sorry. Sorry, right. Declan. Let's bring it back up. Bring it back up. Uh, all right, my progressive matter of the week. A physical disability rugby league fixture has been announced between Warrington and Leeds again. Uh, this one to be played during the Magic Weekend at halftime between the Hull FC and Huddersfield Giants game, uh, which will be happening sometime during that weekend. So uh, this is Warrington led by Adam Hills and Leeds led by Alex Booker. Uh, which continues the wonderful rivalry these two teams have set up. Uh, they've kind of played two games, uh, and each team has come away with the chocolates, uh, one apiece. So this will be game three in the long-running rivalry between uh, the PDRL teams of those clubs. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it's great. The more, Fabulous. The more physical disability rugby league matches that can get scheduled, the better. So I was lucky enough to see Warrington play in the World Club Challenge mm. uh, against South Sydney late last year. Adam Hills came out. Uh, and it was great to watch. It was really entertaining. Such a good vibe. Uh, everyone is just so welcoming, and it's such an inclusive atmosphere. So, you know, all power to it. My uh, moment of the week, while we're giving out uh, kudos to other podcasts and other media in the rugby league, uh, it's a Twitter account called Footy Smiles, which I think you might have seen. It's been around for a few months now, but I think the idea behind it is that it's just highlighting all the good stuff that rugby league players do around the community, which is many things. And, uh, you know, obviously been a lot of bad publicity for Rugby League over the off-season. So mm-hmm. it's good to have, you know, a focus on good things. So good on your footy smiles. Over to you, Slug. So my progressive moment is simply that the Slug got so damn excited to see a ball playing forward back in the ranks. What? Ryan Madison. <laughs> ball playing forwards are extinct animals, really. <laughs> Uh, as far as I'm concerned, and as the world's number one Gavin Miller fan, <laughs> the slug just got excited to see a forward who could slot into 5'8 oh. when, when the needs be. And he's just, he, he looked creative. I got excited. For me, that's, that's my moment of the week. I've got to yeah. be honest. Is, was it like looking in the mirror? Is that how you used to play? <laughs> That's how I imagine how you used to play. You were a forward, but you know you held the ball in both hands. You dummied. You, you shuffled. The the slug wasn't always this big, but uh, my, my specialty was plugging gaps. Whenever whenever you had someone fall out, I could slot right in yeah, there. Right, That's okay. just a, you know. But um, yeah, you know, I, I, I probably had gone three days without thinking about Gavin Miller, and then I saw that, <laughs> and Gavin Miller popped straight back into my head. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan Madison. <laughs> uh, well, that'll do us, I think. On oh, <laughs> unless it, unless you want to talk about Gavin Miller some more, fellas. I've got time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, oh, but, like back in the the likable sharks days. Yeah, that's right. It all so, ties together, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Does it? Are you, ready, are you ready for some hate mail from Sharks fans? They're pretty passionate. Sharks are not fans. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. Yeah, I 
right there. I know. The Sharks have got lots of fans. Um, it's just... Like, do we need to think? Do I need to? No, no, no. We'll, we'll stop it there. We'll stop it there. We did criticise ourselves for being negative oh, well, earlier, no, so we're, we're just stop. about to end on a bad note again. Can we bring it back up? Toulouse Olympic. Toulouse Olympic. Bye all. See ya. <laughs> In rugby league, we trust. Whew. That ended weird, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs>